take your Bibles, turn to 2 John. 2 John tonight. 2 John, we are in the little books, the little letters. Last Sunday we began this series of a longer look at the little letters. Uh, There are four New Testament books that have just the one chapter. Philemon, 2nd and 3rd John, and the book of Jude. And last Sunday we looked at uh, the power of the gospel out of the book of Philemon. And um, uh, boy, we saw how the Apostle Paul, he was once Saul the persecutor and he became Paul the preacher. How did that happen? The gospel. The gospel changed him, didn't it? And then we even looked at Onesimus, this runaway, thieving slave that got saved and went back a repentant, uh, wanting to make it right Christian. And how does that happen? The gospel changes people, and we're grateful for that, the life-changing gospel. I was talking to someone this week, one of our church family members here, and we just spent a little bit of time with them, and and, and again, just mentioning uh, about the gospel. He says, he goes, I have no doubt, if it wasn't for the gospel, he goes, I'd be in in hell today. He goes, I was just headed down a path that was going to lead to an early death, and, and, and I would be in hell. But God saved me and then changed my life, and, uh, and we just thank God for the life-changing gospel. So this evening, let's consider 2 John, just 13 verses. I would read it, but do seriously want to uh, not press too hard this evening with my voice and try to get through this. Uh, I want to, uh, first of all, approach a couple of things this evening when we consider 2 John. There are a couple of viewpoints about this letter. Uh, there are some disagreements among Bible teachers if the letter is written to a church or an actual lady. Notice in verse number one, the elder, and that's the Apostle John, the elder unto the elect lady and her children. And um, this, this disagreement is amongst good conservative Bible teachers. It's not like some liberal thinks one thing and conservatives think another. There are good individuals. Um, uh, two men that I really enjoy uh, studying after. One guy's name is Warren Wearsby, conservative and traditional in his approach. And, and, and uh, uh, J. Vernon McGee, they believe that this is talking about a lady, an actual woman uh, that, that, Paul, that John is writing to. But far more, it seems, lean towards the idea that this was a, uh, a term that was used to not recognize a specific church, and it was a term to be used to protect a church. Uh, there was persecution going on in this region, and so John does not refer to himself other than the elder, and probably not just, not just a position of his, that he was an elder or a pastor, but he was old. Uh, this is one of the older books in the New Testament. John was probably 85 to 90 years old at this point. He refers to himself as the elder, the old man that's writing this, and probably, I believe, writing to a church in that region. And so, again, there are various thoughts on that. Uh, I'm not dogmatic on it, but that's where I would lean at this moment. Now, let me pause. We're going to talk tonight about Satan attacking churches and coming after churches. Let me emphasize this. Although I do not believe this letter was written to a family, 
to an individual. I want you to know tonight, Satan attacks good families as well. He comes after uh, good godly homes, after Christian uh, husbands and wives, parents and children. And Satan would love nothing more than to destroy each and every home here. In fact, if he can get to the home, he damages and hurts the church, does he not? And so I would encourage you, husbands and wives and moms and dads and children, that you would be vigilant and be on guard Uh, In these days, because Satan is prowling and Satan is looking for opportunities and for individuals that he can get a foothold into their life, into their homes, and cause major problems. I have recently spoke to several preachers, and they have expressed the same thing that I have seen over the days of more and more homes that you would not think uh, would have the issues they are failing and falling apart. And so don't think that it could not happen to you even at a later stage of marriage. You think, don't think that and be on guard and be vigilant and protect your homes. Now again, John is writing this, we believe, to a church in the region of Ephesus. First, second, and third John are all closely tied with one another and perhaps even to the same congregation. And in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, John makes mention of some individuals that have left the church. In fact, just turn back there, 1 John, just turn over a page or two to verse number 19. It says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. And so there were some individuals that had left the church, perhaps even took a portion of their congregation with them, perhaps starting a church down the road. Years ago, I was candidating for or interviewing for a youth position in Kentucky, uh, in a little western Kentucky town called Possum Trot. Not even lying, that was the name of the town, Possum Trot. It was this little community that was outside of uh, Paducah, Kentucky, and outside of a, of a town called Calvert City. And, um, and in that little community, there were dozens of Baptist churches, just this little, little farming community out there in western Kentucky, and there were churches everywhere, and I don't remember the exact name of, of this church, that, uh, uh, the, the, the full name of it. But it started with the original, we'll just use heritage, the original Heritage Baptist Church. And I thought, well, that's unusual, the original Heritage Baptist Church. And I asked the preacher about it. He goes, oh, that church split off another church up the road, Heritage Baptist Church. And so they named their church Heritage Baptist Church. So the original one said, we're going to add the original on there. And, And I thought, my soul, just think about all these churches that have split off from one another through the years and, and even uh, fussing and arguing and fighting over names. And certainly that happens, and it perhaps happened here even in John's day. And, uh, and so he's dealing with this of a church under attack. Apostasy is one of the major topics of these epistles here. A departing from the faith. And apostasy was present in John's day. 
And it was predicted that it will continue until the return of Christ. And I believe that we can expect it to ramp up to a greater degree the closer we get to the Lord's return. Uh, We'll see more and more people departing and more and more churches that once stood for the truth departing from the faith until the Lord returns. Give you some proof passages for that. If you're taking notes, second, excuse me, Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses one through four, and then Second Timothy chapter three, verses one through thirteen. I believe we can learn that teaching from those passages. I recently heard of a pastor, not of a Baptist church in this case, but he announced one Sunday. This pastor that pastored this church for some time, he announced one Sunday that he was leaving his wife for another woman in the church, and he was no longer a believer or no longer a Christian. I would agree with John's summary of those type of individuals. They were never of us. Uh, They may have had a profession of faith, but there was never a true possession of Jesus Christ. But can you imagine that? A pastor of a church that had led people to the Lord and had led a church and then suddenly one day and had that type of an announcement. Those things are taking place more and more. I have a good friend of mine, a pastor out in Iowa. He was talking on a a social media post the other day about an upcoming series of messages and, and he had made a slide for it. And it was a message, a series of messages through the book of Hebrews, and he had made a slide for it, and I didn't think anything of the background slide picture. And one of the comments on there was, he goes, I I appreciate the picture of the old Akron Baptist Temple. And I went back and looked at it, and I wouldn't have been able to picture that, but this guy did figure it out that this was the old Akron Baptist Temple. Now, the Akron Baptist Temple back started in 1934 with 13 people. And grew to a membership well over 20,000 individuals. This is an independent, fundamental, conservative, traditional Baptist church. Then in the late 70s, early 80s, things started shifting and changing. The Akron Baptist Temple does not exist today. Can you imagine a church that one time had a membership well over 20,000, averaged over seven or 8,000 every Sunday, and not even existing today? And this church allowed doctrinal compromise to come in and directional changes, and it led them down a path to their don't exist this day. Several years ago, Rachel and I were in Chattanooga, Tennessee, visiting family, and we were just out on our own one day driving through the city of Chattanooga, and we were in an area that I was not familiar with and came across this big fence with a sign there that said the, the, the former location of the Highland Park Baptist Church, Tennessee Temple University, this large campus that several of you have been in and, and attended there through the years and, and, and now no longer exists. How could that happen? Church, we've got to be careful. that We would not allow doctrinal error. We would not allow a directional change. We would not allow individuals to come on amongst us and, and, and cause divisions. And although we may find it hard to believe, it would not take long for Heritage Baptist Church to not be what it is now or what it once was or even be here if we allowed those type of things to take place. And what we must do is what Jude will tell us to do. 
earnestly contend for the faith. Keep fighting for the faith. Keep preaching the true word of God. Let's continue to reach people for Jesus Christ. I mentioned this Wednesday evening in our study of the end times, and we were studying the the millennial reign. And, And in that study, I mentioned that I think we're living in a time and an age where perhaps we will not see as many people saved as we once did. But that does not excuse us from still going out, even in a greater degree than we've ever gone before, of getting the gospel out there to our community and to our world. It's the responsibility that God has laid upon the church. And let's be faithful in that until the Lord does return. This evening, I'd like to highlight for you just three thoughts from the first six verses of Second John that can, I believe, will protect our homes and protect our churches from falling prey to apostasy. You'll notice in these first six verses, there are three words that are repeated multiple times. I'll highlight them as we go through, and if you want to highlight them in your Bible or underline them, you can, or just take note in your mind. But look at verse number one. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love, take note of the word love, in the truth, take note of the word truth, And not only I, but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us, and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you. Mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ and the Son, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. As we have received, here's the third word, commandment, a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. I know I said we'd go through the first six verses, but notice verse 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Now he's not naming the antichrist. He's saying there is that spirit and there's that attitude of antichrist in the world. There are deceivers, there are individuals that are against God, that are antichrist, that are against Jesus Christ, and they're there. And they exist today. And they would love nothing more than come into our church and churches like ours and ruin churches, cause problems, uh, take people away from the truth. So this evening, I want to protect us, and I believe we can look at these three thoughts from these three words, truth, love, and commandment. You see truth in verses 1, 2, 3, and 4 mentioned multiple times. The word love, uh, again, mentioned in verse 1, 3, 5, and 6. And this word commandment in verse 4, 5, and 6. You say, what's the big deal of the repeated words here? When there's only 13 verses in this little letter, this little postcard, only 302 words, and John would choose to repeat these, the Holy Spirit would lead him to repeat these multiple times, I believe we ought to listen to them. We ought to take note of why they're there. And so to protect us from apostasy, would you consider these three thoughts this evening? Number one, Let's embrace truth. 
Number two, let's express or live love. And then number three, enjoy. And I've used the word obedience instead of commandments, but the commandments are given to us that we would obey them. So again, embrace truth. Number two, express love. And number three, enjoy obedience. Embracing the truth. As I considered this, I remember I did a series in my church in Columbus out of 1 John. And I remember that love was repeated in 1 John multiple times. Or excuse me, truth was, in, was repeated multiple times in the book of 1 John. Love is as well. And I went back and I just thought, how many times did John speak of truth? And I just considered the gospel of John, which he wrote, and these three epistles... I did not look into the book of Revelation, which is also authored by John, but in those four books, 40 times, John speaks of truth. 22 times in the Gospel of John, 9 in 1 John, and 4 times in 2 John, and 5 times in 3 John. It was something that was prevalent in his thoughts, and the Holy Spirit brought it to him multiple times, the importance of truth. Of course, we learn this in John chapter 14, verse number 6, the gospel of John 14, verse 6. Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If we were to ask what is truth today, we could say it is Jesus Christ. He is the truth, and he is the only way that a person can come to God. He is the only way a person can be made right by, with God, through Jesus Christ. And then we learn just a few chapters after that in John chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus, during his high priestly prayer, prays these words. Speaking of his followers, those that would follow after him, he says, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Of course, we know this, that Jesus is the living word, and this is the written word that we have here this evening. And it is truth. The best way to embrace truth is to spend time with truth. I was very encouraged this morning as one of our Sunday morning attenders went out into the out of the sanctuary this morning, out of the foyer, and shook my hand, and they said, Pastor, this year will be the second time. I'm, a, I'm planning to read through the entire Bible for the second time this year. He, last year was his first time, and I was so encouraged by that. And he says, but I probably should start studying the Bible, too. And he's a young believer. And he began to ask me questions about how do I study the Bible and what do I do? And I said, well, I don't have, can't give you everything right now, but I gave him some thoughts and some ideas on on studying books or studying some topics out of the Word of God and what he could do. And he goes, man, that sounds exciting. And I said, you just keep reading and studying God's Word and God will bless you for that. And I'll tell you this evening, you spend time in the truth And God will protect you from apostasy. God will protect your family. God will protect you individually simply by spending time in the truth. Back in the day before they had lights and different things inside of our our cash money that can detect counterfeits. I was at 
McDonald's the other day and I gave them a, uh, some cash and I saw them holding it up to a light. And I thought, oh boy, it'd be just my luck. I got the counterfeit dollar here, or $20 bill or whatever. But back before they had those things, I had heard and seen people talk or heard people talk about that the way a, a, a person could tell that it wasn't real money was simply because they had spent so much time with the authentic money. They were bank tellers. They were individuals that took money and they felt it and they held it and they, they, they felt the way that it moved. And, and when they would get something that was not real, they could tell, hey, we better check this $20 bill out. We better check this out and make sure that it's authentic and that it's real. Last week, I woke up one morning and I looked at my phone and I had an email on there. And uh, I read the, just a little bit that was on my phone as I had my eyes squinting, adjusting to the light that morning. And it said, congratulations. And I thought, oh. And I looked at it closer and it said it was from Ace Hardware. And then I just, in the email, it says, you want a Milwaukee power drill set. Well, I perked up. I said, on my day's off to a great start. And I opened up the email and I read it clear, more clearly there and it said that I had been chosen and I had won a, a Milwaukee uh, a combo of drill and a, and a, and a driver and, and, and I was like, wow, just hit this link, it said. And then I got the tingly senses on me, you better not hit that link. You know why I got those tingly senses? Because I've hit that link before. And my wife's punched me enough times, don't ever do that again. But I, I thought, what, what? And so what I did is I Googled Ace Hardware, and before I could get anything else out, it said Milwaukee Drill Scam popped up in my Google search. And I thought, ah, oh. but you just maybe sensed or recognized, hey, that's not maybe real. There was something that came over. And I want to tell you this, church, you read and you spend time in the truth. And when you hear something that's not true, something will tell you, mm, be careful there. Watch out. You hear that TV evangelist say something. Oh, I don't know if I've ever heard. And it just doesn't resonate with you. That's because you spend time in the truth. Be careful about who you listen to who you learn from, whether they're on the TV, the radio, or the internet today, that has been probably in the last 15, 20 years some of the most uh, concerning words I've heard as I've talked to various individuals through the years. I said, where did you get that from? And they start with, from the internet. And it typically never ends well. And so be careful and embrace the truth. Read, study, memorize, uh, uh, embrace God's word, his truth to us. It will protect you from apostasy. Let's consider the second thought this, this evening of expressing love, living this love that is written of here. Again, it's a major topic of John's writings. He speaks of love 19 times in the Gospel of John. 23 times in 1 John, five chapters and 23 times he speaks of love. And then four times here in 2 John and one time in 3 John. 
And I didn't take the time to go back and find out how many times the word loved or loveth or lovest, these King James variations. There could be more. And again, it's just a, 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 a topic that he, uh, that he emphasizes multiple times. And a great way for us to express love that will protect us in our truth, or excuse me, our church and our families from apostasy is sharing the truth with other people. Um, if, if there's people out there sharing falsehoods or false teachings, we should overcome that by sharing the truth. Uh, sharing something that is greater and better than what they're sharing and sharing the truth. And again, this evening, church, I want to challenge you, as I did last Sunday, that you would, that you would receive the challenge this year to lead somebody to Jesus Christ. Here we are in the first uh, part of, of this new year, January, and, and what a great fresh start this gives us, the beginning of a, of a new year. And would it not be wonderful if you got to lead somebody to Jesus Christ this next year? Um, I, I got saved, I mentioned it this morning, in 1976. I can remember how excited I was when I got saved. I was a six-year-old little boy. I wanted to tell everybody about how I got saved. I wanted, to, I wanted to call aunts and uncles. I wanted to tell them. I wanted to tell people at church. I remember walking up and down the aisle before a service one, uh, the next service there, just saying, I got saved on Tuesday, and they wanted to hear about it. I said, I can't stay long. I got to go tell somebody else. I was excited. I wanted to tell somebody. I wanted to write relatives about it. I even, I was going to public school, then I went and told my show and tell in kindergarten about getting saved. I was excited about it. And I don't know if I've ever been that excited ever since, but as close as I've ever been is when I get to lead somebody else to Jesus Christ. When I've been able to share the gospel with somebody else and see them bow their heads, hear them call out to the Lord Jesus Christ, that is an exciting thing. And if you've never experienced it, you shouldn't go through this life without having that opportunity. But you don't get to do that without working at it, looking for opportunities, praying about it. And so I'm going to ask you that you'd be intentional about this. Not just say this evening, yeah, that would be wonderful. But would you pray fervently about it? God, give me someone this year. Bring someone across my path. Is God able to do that? Is God able to bring an unsaved person across your path? He certainly can. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants people to be saved. And if you're looking for opportunities, God will give you that. Pray fervently about it. Look faithful, faithfully for opportunities. And then I'd say this. Not everybody you witness to gets saved. So stick with it. You may give the gospel to someone and they may reject the gospel. I've had plenty of people tell me, no, I'm not interested. Or I've had people tell me, I, 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 not now, and, and never did respond to the gospel, at least with me. But you got to stick with it. And you know what that does? You give them the truth. They're saved by the truth. We see them discipled in the truth, and that overpowers the false 
falsehoods that are out there. That overcomes the, those ones that come in that are trying to stir up things. So it'll protect us from apostasy when we will express love by sharing the gospel. And let me give you one final thought this evening. Enjoy obedience. John again mentions the word commandment four times in this in these verses here in 2 John. And between all of the books uh, that he's written there, he's used that word commandment or commandment 16 times. A command is given to be obeyed. And there is joy and there is peace when we are living in obedience. Kids and teens tonight and even adults would you not agree those times that we've been disobedient, those times we've been involved in things that we shouldn't be involved in, oh, there might be short-term pleasure in those things, there might be moments of, of fun in those things, but there's also the consequence of those things. There's also living in that fear of being caught, of being trapped in these things. But when we are living in obedience to God's commands, there is joy, there is peace, there is comfort in those things. So I'd encourage us tonight to take the word of God, take the commands of God's word, and choose to live in obedience and enjoy it. There is joy in obedience. Let me give you one area to obey God in. One thought to obey God in this evening and we'll be done. It is that theme of love, serve, and reach. That opportunity for us to get involved and, and to say, you know what, I'm going to embrace those thoughts. This is love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. What we preached on this morning. To serve God through his church. And then to reach the world with the life-changing gospel. Listen, this could be a lot of fun. This could be really enjoyable if we will just obey and do what God has called us to do. And I trust there will be some individuals this evening that will say, I want to obey God. I want to listen to his commands and enjoy the Christian life. I think some people out that aren't saved, that aren't part of a church, they look at the Christian life and they say, why would I want to live that? You know why they say that? Because I see a bunch of sour-pussed-faced Christians that aren't having fun in the Christian life. Listen, I've been in the ministry now for 28, going on 29 years, and if it wasn't fun for the most part, oh, I have some difficulty, I have some hard times here and there, but if it wasn't fun, I think I would have found something else to do a long time ago. I'm enjoying the ride. I'm enjoying the ministry. I'm enjoying serving the Lord. I'm enjoying being part of his plan. And I'd encourage you, find God's will for your life, obey God's will for your life, and enjoy what he's called you to do. And so this evening, let's protect ourselves from apostasy through the truth, through love, and through obedience. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this evening. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Jan is going to come and play a verse of invitation. Opportunity this evening for you to make a decision 
Lord's touched your heart on something that was preached today, tonight or this morning or something that he's been working in your heart. Uh, perhaps a decision you need to make as far as membership or baptism or getting involved in the ministry. This is your opportunity during this invitation. Be obedient to the Lord tonight. Father, take these few moments that we have now and Lord, help us to be obedient to you and to follow you and to trust you, Lord. Would you protect Heritage Baptist Church and the families of Heritage Baptist Church from apostasy, from a departing from the faith? Lord, help us to embrace truth. Help us to express love. And help us to enjoy obedience. In Jesus' name. As our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, as the piano begins to play, if the Lord's touched your heart, would you respond this evening?